Welcome back to another week of Ew, That's Creepy. This week, we are discussing crimes that allegedly involve voodoo. Today, Melissa will be sharing the gruesome crimes committed by Ronald Salazar on his own family. Please be aware that this story involves the brutal murder and sexual assault of a child. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everybody. What's up, guys? We're back. We are back. (laughs) And today we're going to be talking about murders that involved voodoo in some way, shape, or form. Spooky. And now alert, we're not saying that when we're talking about these stories. Let's preface by saying that we're not talking bad on voodoo at all. Is that your thing? By no means whatsoever. We know that that's in some cultures, like, not a bad thing at all and can used, can be used in very good forms. So by no means are we saying anything bad <laughs> about voodoo or anybody who practices it by any means. These are just stories about people who just said things that were related to it so <laughs> well, look, yeah let's... you're expressing no personal views on the matter whatsoever and we think that everybody is entitled to their own opinion their own practices their own beliefs and that's fine yep. unless it leads to you killing people then maybe you should think your own personal beliefs <laughs> but not other people's so yep just disclaiming that okay so I, Melissa, am going to be telling the story today, and today we're going to be talking about Ronald Salazar. So I first found this story off this article uh, by Ranker, so thank you, and it was just basically crimes that involved voodoo in one way or another, (laughs) and then I actually saw this on an episode of Killer Kids. You know that show? It was on like A&E and then on Lifetime. Hmm. I don't think I've ever seen that show, actually. It's not... I mean, it's good. They have a a lot of good for, like, evidence and whatnot, but it can get a little, like, cheesy. It's you know? nothing special. It's okay. But, so, I saw the story on there. So, a lot of um, the story is, which I'm going to be telling, is based on... <laughs> Ronald Salazar was actually on the show telling a lot of it, so... Oh, wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, he was born in El Salvador on September 13th, 1990. And then his parents came to the United States in 1991 when he was just one years old. But apparently, they didn't want to bring him. So, they were leaving El Salvador because there was wars going on and there was a lot of poverty in the 1990s in El Salvador. Mm -hmm. It was like a ton of the population was living in poverty. So they left, but his parents left him in El Salvador with his grandparents who were living in poverty. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Um, And when I was trying to research why, I could only really find that they left because they thought that he was one and the trip would be too hard on him because they were going illegally. Mm, 
I mean, that makes sense, but that's still hard to leave your child in that situation. Yeah, and so he was, Ronald um, was left in El Salvador. So he, when he was left there, he uh, had, it was really rough for him. He was left with his grandparents in poverty, like I said. They were so poor um, that... They didn't even have running water or electricity at their home in El Salvador. That's how poor they were. Wow. Mm-hmm. And Ronald also said that he basically had no communication with his parents once they left. And that was it. They kind of just, like, left him there, basically. I'm sure that has to be really hard growing up in that lifestyle. Mm. That's so sad. It just makes me feel really privileged to have everything that I have exactly I cannot imagine right so poor thing yeah so his parents their names are Samuel and Anuvia they settled into South Miami when they fled El Salvador um so like I said Ronald was left growing up in El Salvador with his grandparents but so when he was around 13 his parents finally decided to i think it actually was around when he was 11 his parents finally decided that they were like okay why don't we send money to bring him to the united states too and by this point they also had two more children in the united states so <clears throat> wow yeah it was kind of sad like it made me wonder why if you had why were you going to have more kids if you didn't yeah. want to send money additionally I was just going to say that, like, I well, understand not having money to bring him over, but having two kids is expensive exactly. enough, so exactly. that's just, especially if, did he know that his parents had two more kids, or did he not know until, like, he came uh, over there? Well, no, no. So, he didn't know that. Um, so, yeah, like I said, when he was around 11, his parents finally sent money to El Salvador to get him to come over to the United States illegally as well. I think I saw on the episode that they paid around 18, the episode of Killer Kids, that so they paid around $18,000 for him to come to the United States. So I guess it's pretty wow, expensive. Wow, that is, yeah, that's a good amount of money. So Ronald said that he was really excited, obviously, to flee El Salvador, um... He didn't I'm want to sure. be in poverty. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. And he gets to be with his parents. I'm yeah. sure he was hyped. So he was 13 by the time he finally came over. And he says, so like I said, a lot of this going forward is in his own words. He said that when he came okay. over that things were awkward. He said he didn't even really remember his parents because obviously he didn't see them since he was one. Yeah. <laughs> Approximately one. A baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so... He didn't even know that he had younger siblings, and like I said, he had a younger brother and a younger sister, and mm-hmm. I believe that they were 11. His younger sister was 11, and his brother, David, I believe was 9. His younger sister's name was Marina Estefani. Wow. Yeah. So, I feel like I keep saying wow every time, and I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry for that. But I mean, it's just because I'm like... It's sad. Yeah, I'm like in shock a little bit because this just seems so hard for such a a kid to be so young to go through all this and their family to go through all this. It makes you wonder... I don't know what to say other than wow. It just kind of makes you wonder what was wrong with him compared to his other siblings that his parents were like... 
Exactly. Like, felt just okay with him being over there for so long. And I'm not saying they didn't try, but he was over there for, what? Yeah, 13 years he came over. There might be a reason, girl. We'll touch on that. Wow. So, Ronald. Oh, there I go again. (laughs) (laughs) You're fucking Owen Wilson. (laughs) Yeah, just cute Owen Wilson's like, wow. (laughs) Wow. Oh, shit. I'll try not to say wow anymore. Girl. Jack. So, Ronald, at the same time that he was, um, obviously, he came, when he came to America, his parents enrolled him in school. And this was the first time he had ever been in school. And he said that his English was not even that great at the time. He, like, could barely communicate with people. You know, just kind of basic communication. Wow, they just threw him in school? No, I said it again. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> they just threw him me. in there. <laughs> yeah, they straight up did. And he said that it was kind of sad, again, because he said that he couldn't really speak English and not fluently to communicate and make friends. And... So, he said that he didn't really make friends and he was bullied. Um, A quote from him on the show. When you're an immigrant, kids just look down on you because you can't speak English. You just can't communicate with them. So, he clearly was having trouble making friends. Yeah, kids are mean around that age. And I'm sure they're going to pick on people that they can, like, see as vulnerable. So, it's also sad because... Yeah. Kids are mean. Yeah. Kids are... Kids are dicks. And I'm but, sure that's tough with his family situation, him coming here and going to school, yeah. and people are being bullies. Yeah. So, also at this time, Ronald is becoming increasingly uncomfortable with his siblings. Another point, like I just said, with him not being able to speak English, is that he said that there were times that he would hear his siblings talking back and forth between one another, and he knew that they were basically talking shit on him, because he just said that he could, like, understand a couple words that yeah. his brother and sister were saying. He can pick up on the vibes. He said that um, they would say things about him, like, thinking that he was a gangster or, like, a badass and stuff like that. And he just said, too, that it was making him really uncomfortable that his brother and sister were, like, just there watching TV and playing video games. And he's just thinking the whole time about how hard his life was growing up in El Salvador and kind of just being like, well, what the fuck? Why wasn't... Why didn't they take care of me like why did they give he's starting to feel resentful exactly totally resentful as hell yeah that's understandable i mean i'm sure especially if nobody's talking to you about how you feel and that's all brewing inside you exactly he especially was resentful towards stephanie and i guess because she was intelligent she was beautiful and her parents were like basically the favorite like doting over her Uh uh-huh she was gorgeous i can't even lie. Oh, and even though her name is Marina Estefani, a lot of people called her Stephanie just because, you know, that was a nickname. So he was especially resentful towards her because she was intelligent and beautiful and the parents loved her, you know, all that. And he was, he said he wasn't jealous of her in the show. He said he wasn't jealous of her, but it hurt his feelings to see his siblings getting love that he just wanted from his parents. 
So, but I don't know because it kind of seems like he was jealous of her. Clearly, I was gonna say it seems like obviously if you want something that somebody else has, then you're jealous of them. Yeah, but, but that's who's, okay. Who's to say? Yeah, <laughs> he can feel. He's entitled to feel however he feels. Mm-hmm. So he began to kind of just believe that his father didn't love him. And he, they started, obviously, their relationship was becoming more and more strained. And they were arguing, all that. So, also, it was just awkward. Like, the whole family dynamic was awkward. Ronald said that his father-son relationship was, like, showboating kind of at this point. Like, who's the man of the house? Like, that kind of relationship. It was odd for him to be, like... Ronald didn't know how to have a father, obviously. He grew up on the streets, so... Mm. In 2005, this was shortly after he was there, CPS in Florida received an anonymous tip that Ronald was being verbally and physically abused by his father. Yeah, so Ronald was being abused. Interesting. And they Mm. don't have any idea who said that? No. Still to this day, no. Huh. So they said because of the abuse, Ronald was acting depressed and suicidal. I swear I read in one article, oh my gosh, I can't remember which, maybe the Miami Herald, that Ronald had apparently tried to commit suicide, like by stabbing himself or something. Ooh. Which is sad. Yeah. So they went to the home, CPS went to his house, and they were surprised that the relationship was the opposite. Like the family was saying, no, Ronald is the one who is threatening us all the time and threatening us with a knife and we're scared of him and they said that he always had frequent outbursts and couldn't control his temper his emotions at all and ronald said in his own words on the show quote anything would set me on fire anything would bring some anger out of me unquote so so he admitted like he was aggressive yes them yeah he's very like he knows that he was aggressive as hell oh okay so he said and the father samuel told the cps worker that he actually had hit his son before because he didn't listen to his commands like verbal punishment and he told the cps worker that everything was fine until ronald came like basically (laughs) oh which was yeah well what did they expect i feel like i mean (laughs) He obviously has been through a lot growing up, and he's not just going to come in here and be the perfect child. He speaks broken English, and he's getting bullied at school. It seems like they really weren't ready to change their lives at all for him to come. Yeah, they just thought he was going to come and things were going to just be normal. But, I mean, I'm sure as a parent you would hope that, but it is sad that they're kind of not... Trying to think of ways to make it work. Mm-hmm. So CPS also learned that Ronald had been suspended from school um, twice. They said that, and this is in the show. This I was like, what does this mean? They said that once he was violent with another student, and that's fine. And then they said once he for breaking a security guard's finger. How? And they didn't elaborate? No. Okay. I don't know. Maybe I would assume maybe trying to grab him or yeah, maybe like he... push, shut it. I don't even, who knows. Okay. Not good. That's all we can know. Yeah. So he was becoming violent. He also talked a big game to his parents and classmates about his life in 
El Salvador. At this point, he was saying that he was a violent street gang member there, which basically is true. So they like do say that that is true. He was in a gang back there. Um, and he said that firsthand on the show, he said firsthand he saw a lot of violence back in El Salvador. He said that he saw a man get hung and another man get his penis cut off. Oh. And that the gang had showed him this because they were, quote, teaching him how to be a gangbanger. Okay. This is a recipe for <laughs> disaster. Mm-hmm. And that's just another thing. You would think that parents, if their child came over from El Salvador, they would want to ask them about their time there and... If their child told them that they had these sort of experiences, they would, like, want to tell them that that is not normal. Yeah. But, who knows? So, it's, it's, it's becoming clear that Ronald's personality, anger, is, like, something that's just taught from an early age. That problems are solved with violence. You know, he's in this gang when he's young as hell. I think it was literally... if you So, if he was 11 when he started to come to the United States, he was probably, like, 7, 9... Oh, man. Around that age when he was doing all this. And watching that, yeah, from such a young age, it's uh-huh. just going to be in, in embedded in you. Exactly. That that's the norm. And so, another... Yeah, and so, his father told... Told the CBS worker all of this and said, yeah, this is what he's saying about his life and that he was in the gang. And his parents also told the CBS worker. They just ratted his ass out. They said, well, okay, this part is bad, honestly. They should have said this. They said that they told the CBS worker that their own daughter had silently handed them a note that said she was terrified of Ronald. She said that she knew Ronald wanted to kill her and kill the entire family. And that I believe that he had tried to choke her at some point. And Ronald's mother told the CPS worker that she was terrified that, like, he would actually do something like that. That's intense. Mm -hmm. So the CPS worker talked to Ronald themselves. When they spoke to him, he was like, no. His dad, uh, the dad is the one abusing me emotionally and physically. Well, no, actually, he didn't say physically. Not physically, but emotionally. Hmm. And he told the CPS worker that he wanted to kill himself and was really depressed. And the caseworker asked how he planned on killing himself. And Ronald said, quote, it will be easy, and, end quote. And the caseworker said, easy how? And he said, I have a mat- a knife underneath the mattress. And he pulled out a long knife and showed the CPS worker. He's not playing around. He's and serious. So, yeah, at the end of this visit where all this tea was spilled that was sizzling hot. And they told the CPS worker everything there is to know about this dysfunctional family. They left and considered the children to be low risk and of no harm. And they closed the investigation. Are you kidding me? Mm-mm. How are they low risk? He has a knife under his bed and says he's trying, he's considering to end his life. I don't that know. That seems like the highest risk to human life that right. there could be. All I can think about is like when you watch the Gabriel Fernandez documentary, which is horrible, they talk about how the reason why that people didn't take that case seriously is just because CBS workers are really underpaid and overworked and all of this and stuff. But it's just like, I don't understand how that wouldn't, like, be need for alarm. Like, yeah. 
It is. I understand the overload of case work for CPS workers. I'm sure that's really hard, but what other circumstances would there be a red flag raised other than right now? What I don't understand too is the fact that the family is saying that something's wrong with him. The sister said that something's wrong with him, the parents. And he himself is saying that even if he's not threatening his family, no, whatever, I'm still depressed and I'm suicidal. So I don't get that. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. So this is where things like when Ronald's talking about things in the documentary, this is where he starts to mention things that I'm kind of like, mm-hmm. So he said that... Is that true? Not... not, No, not... Is that not true? But... So he said at this point that he started to have really, really terrifying dreams at night that would keep him up all night. And he said that he would dream that he would wake up inside the house and would find a gun and just shoot everyone in the house and kill them. And he said that he would have these dreams all the time. Wow, that sounds like Amityville Horror. Yeah. So I was like, that's what I mean. That like, I don't want to say this is when things start getting paranormal because they don't. But that was like, hmm. But so they get weird. Yeah. So again, this is a really awkward time because like, it's so awkward because the CPS workers here and they say all this tea and they're all just like spilling the dirt on each other and then the CPS worker just leaves. So imagine how the house is after that. Yeah, I'm sure the Awkward. tension is just, you can feel it at yeah. that point. So they said that, like, he would be, Ronald and the father, Samuel, would be screaming at each other so bad that the mom and the kids would just sit there and pray for them. And it was just sad. So probably, like, I would say within a couple, a week or two after the CPS worker investigated and said nothing was wrong and left, it was just a normal day. And the mother, Nuvia, left early in the morning to take relatives to work. And she took herself to work, too. So she left pretty early. And the father, Samuel, also left early in the morning to run errands when he, you know, would just assume the kids, I believe, would be asleep. So Ronald said that he had woken up early as hell that morning. He said that he, (laughs) once his parents left, he just woke up, said that he just, like, knew that today was the day. And he said he went to his sister's room. And when he went in, and this is his own words, again, off the Killer Kids show. He said that he felt a dark presence come over him when he walked over to his sister's room. And he heard something whisper in his ear saying, this is the time. That's very disturbing and creepy. Yeah. He, so trigger warning, this is uh, bad on all accounts. So, it involves child violence, I'm assuming. Yeah, violence, rape, assault. So he said then he immediately jumped on top of his sister and he started choking her uh, until she was passed out. He said that she was struggling um, and he just continued choking her. And he said that she was still breathing and he was just like staring at her. And... uh He said in his own words that he then, after she was passed out, quote, got down from the bed and somehow just had sex with her, end quote. How? He's 14 at the time, and she's 11. How does that just happen? And, like, on the documentary when he's talking about this, like, this is the one part where he actually got, like, probably the most emotional out of the whole um, time. He just, like, didn't, he said, he claims that he just didn't, know why he did that but anyway 
So he, uh, at this point, she is unconscious and had just been assaulted. Uh, and he left her laying in the room. That's so disgusting. How can you do that to your own sister? So he went to the kitchen and he got a large knife from the kitchen block. And he went back into the room and he just started slashing her throat while she was unconscious. He slashed it just like basically back and forth a few times from ear to ear until she was dead. No. Uh-huh. Um, That's really sad. That's yeah. really messed up. So he then went back into the... Immediately after he did this, he went back into the kitchen and he walked... And he made sure that she was dead. And then he walked back into the kitchen, washed the knife off, and put it back into the block. He So then he went to his brother's room, and he was stood at the door and said that he heard a voice to say stop. And so he did. Okay. Yeah. And he woke his brother up and told his brother that robbers were in the house and that they had broken in. And that they just needed to, like, basically run out and escape. And so they did. And they jumped over the fence to the neighbor's house and told the neighbors that, you know, someone... Ronald told the neighbors that two people had broken in and that he just had grabbed his brother and left. And then he, like, didn't really check on Stephanie. He didn't have time to look to see if she was okay. So they just called the police and said that there was a break-in next door, and that was it. And so the police came. When they came, they found Stephanie in her room in a pool of blood. Uh, Clearly, she was dead and had been sexually assaulted. And so the police detectives on the Killer Kids show say that at this point, they were pretty believing of Ronald's story for the sole fact that this was his sister and that someone who... They believed that if someone was breaking in, that maybe they would have sexually assaulted her if it was someone random and someone disgusting. Yeah, I mean, I understand. You wouldn't necessarily think a 14-year-old brother would do that to his younger sister. Mm-hmm. As if, yeah, sexually assaulting her wouldn't be disgusting and horrific enough. Right, he's slashing nasty as hell. Throat. Slashing her throat is just a whole other level of... It just sounds really evil, and I feel horrible for his sister because mm-hmm. she did not need to endure that by any means. And she said to the people that she was scared for her life. What mm-hmm. else did they expect her to do as an 11-year-old girl other than to tell the truth to CPS workers? And you know what? It's so sad when you think about it. Imagine how smart that little girl was to write a, parent, a, letter, a note to her parents and say she was scared. Oh, poor baby. Really? She's so beautiful, too. So, like I said, at first they were, like, uh, detectives were kind of buying the story. Um, So they were like, okay, he's our only witness. We need to, like, keep him close. You know, like, we're going to, we need to make sure he'll he'll be okay. But Ronald's father, as soon as he got to the scene and they were told all this, he was suspicious and was like, uh, eh? So he kind of told the police, like, mm, maybe sniff in that direction. Yeah, he's like, um, some stuff has been going on recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Snitch. <laughs> I mean, he's not Once wrong, again, though, yeah. so. Police started questioning Ronald more intensely, saying, you know, like, your story don't add up, son. The typical. <laughs> and so. Turn up the heat. <laughs> turn it up. 
So literally in the same day that they questioned him, by the end of the day, he had confessed to the whole thing. His oh, story God. fell apart. Yeah, he crumbled. But he's also 14. 14. The young ones always crumble pretty quick. So he confessed that day. He claimed that his intentions were to kill the whole family because they didn't accept him. He said they treated me like I was a weirdo. Killed the whole family, but you waited until the parents left and only chose to victimize your innocent, helpless sister. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Sorry, it's not funny. It's just awkward laughing because you know how uncomfortable it is. It is uncomfortable laughing, but Mm -hmm. it's just, that's horrific and that's just a bad excuse because if that was your plan, you definitely didn't execute it like that. Well, so... Yeah. So in his mind, Ronald said that, so this is basically like what, okay, so now he told the police that, so they are going to charge him with the uh, one count of first degree murder and one count of sexual assault of a, a child, basically. So two felonies. So this would be a life charge for each that they wanted to charge him for at the age of 14. And one count of being an evil demon. Yeah. Yep. So they're gonna charge him with three counts. <laughs> so the devil's gonna charge him with a, his own personal count. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that was that. And so they also, even though he was fourteen, they at this time were somehow able to and charge him as an adult. Yeah, because it's quite horrific. Yep. So he, his whole time, he was saying that in his mind, Ronald thought that if when he was attacking his sister, that if she wakes up and tells the parents that he's going to be totally fucked and will get in even more trouble, so he just had to kill her. That was his reason. And so... Okay, but then that wasn't your plan to kill the whole family. Like, what he's saying doesn't yeah, make sense. Exactly. Plan. Then your plan was to go in there and torturize your sister mm-hmm. and do horrible things to her... And then kill her so the rest of your family never found out. Uh-huh. That was your plan. Changing it up real quick. Yeah, seriously. So, yeah, his story flip-flop. After a psychological evaluation, um, experts determined that Ronald had... I swear it was, like, schizoaffective or something. And the, I've never heard of it. But they described it as showing signs of, like, bipolar and schizophrenia at the same time. So he clearly was having, he did have some mental problems, clearly. Yeah. But even though then he was having mental problems, detectives, the the biggest part with Ronald's story was that he wasn't insane at the time because no matter what his story was and his intentions were, he washed the knife straight after, made up the story about the robbery and took his brother out. So you clearly, it was premeditated enough. They determined that you made up that whole story you know. And you did it when the parents weren't there. Time and time again, we see people fall with this one. You can't be mentally unstable if you determine what you're going to do afterwards, you know? Yeah. People always fall with that one. Yeah. So that was the reason why they, you know, that was where his story crumbled. And so even at 14, he was found guilty as an adult of the murder and sexual assault of his sister. So even though the murder took place in 2005, it took a long time for him to, like, all this to happen. So when he was found guilty, that wasn't until 2009. Damn. And he was con- he got two consecutive life sentences, 
One for the murder and one for the assault of a minor. Sexual assault of a minor. But I didn't you guys are probably like, hold get- up, where's the voodoo hoe? <laughs> so I'm sure everyone's like, like I said, where's the voodoo bitch? <laughs> Tell us. Thank you. I just needed to be coaxed. I'm a girl. <laughs> so, Tell like us. a cat. <laughs> So, tell us, Melissa. Tell us. <laughs> okay. So, in 2012, in Miller versus Alabama, remember the Supreme Court. Remember, oh, remember yeah. the Supreme Court ruled that on June 25th, 2012, yes. mandatory life sentences without the possibility of parole for juveniles convicted of murder cases were unconstitutional, and that was because it was cruel and unusual punishment. Because they say that your brain is not done developing at that time, meaning you're prone to outbursts and unrational thinking and all that. So mm-hmm. he was one of those cases that was overturned. Wow. And this is where the voodoo comes back into play. Girl. Okay. So he never mentioned the voodoo in the Killer Kids episode, which is funny that he... Huh. Not funny, but it's weird that he was saying that someone was... It felt like something came over him and he whispered in his ear because he didn't say anything about voodoo then. I just So it's assumed, kind of like... Mm. I assumed that was going to be like the voodoo thing. Yeah. Thinking so that. when he was resentenced after... Um, so I think it was in 2012. So around like... It was 2015. So not that long ago. He was resentenced, and I read in um, a Local 10 article that Ronald on the stand was extremely emotional and upset. He was crying really hard, like, just really upset. And when he was asked to explain why the murder happened, he said, quote, it was witchcraft, unquote. Ooh. Girl. It was voodoo. Yeah. And his huge point, so his story is that when he was a child, when he was born, that his parents had taken him. So I read two different versions. One, that his parents had taken him to a witch doctor specifically. So when he was born, that there was a voodoo. So there was a voodoo curse on his father that his father, someone had placed on him. So they specifically went to a witch doctor in El Salvador and the witch doctor was having a birth so that the voodoo would be passed on from father to son through the birth so that he would now inherit the voodoo curse. That's messed up. I also read, though, that he just was born and that then a witch doctor told him, told the parents that that some that he had a curse on him somehow. So either way, when he was born, he claimed that a witch doctor told his parents that someone had placed a curse on him. Now, I did some research in an El Salvador voodoo witchcraft that is more popular in what they practice in culture, things like that. Um, voodoo and curses are very popular in El Salvador a lot more believable than in the United States. And they also, voodoo is, you know, a lot to blame sometimes for illness, uh, relationship problems, and love spells are particularly very popular in in El Salvador. Hmm. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So it is a lot more in their culture. Prevalent. Exactly. So that was his point, and he said that that was the whole reason why 
his parents left is because they gave him this curse and then they kind of left him there and left for their new life in America. And that's why they didn't check in for so long. And they just left the curse like with him basically. That does make sense. I mean, it sounds like crazy to us, but Mm -hmm. in their culture that might be normal. And I'm sure voodoo is definitely used for good too, but like... Exactly. Yikes. So that was one thing he said. And along with that, he did when he was talking about his childhood afterwards. So then he felt no one ever showed him love. He said his grandmother was the only one. His grandfather abused him. Um, he suffered sexual abuse when he was around seven. No. At, from people in his family. And like I said before, that when his grandmother passed away, he turned to gang violence. And he also said that I, I read in one article... Uh, I believe this was the Local 10 article that he grew up believing that his grandmother was his real mother and then was, like, kind of shocked to learn that he had family in the United States. I'm sure. You were only one year old. So if that's the truth, though, this is where the little hiccup is in the story. And this is it was hard to find information on this because the Killer Kids episode was filmed before he was resentenced. Yeah. Because that was not that long ago. That's interesting. They should make a part two episode. So, it was hard for me to find a lot about the voodoo. The one question that I have is, if you didn't... I'm assuming if you didn't talk to your parents that much, that you didn't find out you had a voodoo curse until you came to the United States? Yeah. I mean, how would he? You know? Yeah, he would have to. Unless his grandparents told him, but it doesn't sound like that. Yeah. So, again, that uh, was the reason why then he committed these crimes is because of the voodoo curse, like, and the evil forces behind that. Like I said, on Killer Kids, he did, he was saying that he felt like he was possessed by something, by, he just felt like dark energy was with him that day and all that. Prosecutors weren't having it. Clearly, oh, I'm sure. <laughs> Prosecutors were like, mm, no, no. They a big reason to prosecutors were not having Salazar's excuses, and they kind of weren't really having the fact that voodoo had anything to play in it because they said that they learned from inmates that Salazar had threatened to kill his parents from behind bars using gang connections. And I read that in a Local 10 article. He was an admirer of Michael Hernandez, who was a 14-year-old who used a knife to kill his friend at Southwood Middle School in Palmetto. Okay. so not a very good idol to have. Yeah. (laughs) And so they basically said that when he was in jail, he kind of, you know, bragged about the murders a little bit and said that he could have his parents killed too if he wanted to. I never found out who said that, who it was like substantiated that someone of valuable testimony could have said that because it was like if it if it's someone in jail, if it was a celly or something, they could have just wanted to get time knocked off their sentence. Yeah, that's true. You never know. You never know. But People maybe, have ulterior motives in jail. Exactly. Maybe he was saying that to just make himself seem like a badass to protect himself. You, I feel like you can't trust what people say in jail. No, you cannot. But that was another reason why they weren't having any of it. And they said that uh, another thing that I read that the prosecution said, I read this online, is that um, they said that they knew Ronald knew he would go to the jail for the murder. So the reason why he 
raped his sister was that it would be his last encounter with a woman he would ever have. What the hell? I personally think that's a little far-fetched because that's kind of just like what 14-year-old would think that far ahead. And it's kind of just, that's just just so disgusting. I feel like that's very disrespectful to even throw that out there to the victim. Yeah, that's, to me, that's bullshit. And if that's like not what he said literally on the show, then there's no need to say that. Psychiatrists more say that they feel like it was obviously just more of a sign of revenge to his parents. Just more of like... You don't want to love me. I'm just going to completely destroy destroy this beautiful thing that you love so much. Yeah. As horrible as it is, we've seen, you know, we've seen this before. It's horrible, though. Yeah, it is. Definitely. And that is just for him to say he wasn't jealous of her. That's definitely called into question if he's going that far. It seems very much like he was jealous of her. Exactly. Yeah. So in early 2015... Not surprising. He was found guilty again by the same judge. But this time, he was sentenced to 40 years rather than two life sentences with the possibility of parole after 25. And that's because the judge claimed that his harsh upbringing... Upbringing? Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And his lack of love, clear abuse, clear... Physical abuse, sexual abuse, witness to gang violence, no real parental figure of any sort growing up contributed to the fact that he had these murders, Obvious that he caused these murders. Oh, I'm sure. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so they said that obviously, too, because he was 14, that his brain was not fully developed. So he was, you know, more prone to lash out, which is exactly what the Supreme Court ruled, which is why they could overturn it in the first place. Yeah. And they said that his, uh, another big thing that the judge said too is that his parents and the CPS workers had opportunities to help him and to influence him. He had said that he needed help. And I even read in one article that after the CPS worker left, at some point that his father wanted to take, or Ronald, some at one point almost went to an institution, but I think his father decided not to. I don't know, though. I only read that in one little article. I don't remember which one. Sorry. So they definitely had opportunities. There were many opportunities from multiple individuals. Exactly. To at least receive some help and some form of diagnosis to what he was feeling. Mm-hmm. Exactly. She, she said that, too, and she said that the CPS worker could have helped as well, and they chose not to. So she kind of was like, society turned their back on you as well. So she believed that if he could be a good inmate in jail, that she believed he should be returned to society the when judge? he's older. Yes. Oh, okay. So I was like, who's she? Yes. She. The judge was okay. a she. Okay. So that was her ruling. And so, like I said, he got 40 years with, um, he could get out with time served after 25, I believed, get out on parole. So as for Ronald, he became a tutor in prison. Um, I read he was a model inmate, so I'm like, okay, that must be after the first couple years that... Oh, my lollipop. Sorry, I just dropped one. (laughs) Sorry, I had one in my hand, and now it's probably got hair and shit all over it. (laughs) Dust on it. But anyway. (laughs) All right, Katie, your lollipop. (laughs) Back to the real tragedy. Ronald, like I said, became a tutor in prison. A model inmate, but I'm like, okay, so is that after the years the prosecution alleged he was 
bragging about murdering his yeah, he Whatever. didn't do anything wrong. He just talked about how he didn't regret it and was going to plan to kill more. Yeah. But okay. So apparently he's doing well. On the Killer Kids show, he said... <laughs> this part's a little questionable. And he feels no love for his family, for his parents. But he's just sorry for Stephanie. And he does deeply regret what he did to her. Because his parents were the ones that made him feel unwanted. And that it, it wasn't Stephanie's fault. And he said that no matter what he does in life, like no matter how well he does in prison or can be positive, that Stephanie will never come back and he'll always have to live with that. And um, it's also noted, too, that his parents didn't come to the trial at all. I don't believe. I think that after it happened, they were kind of just like done with it. They just wiped their hands clean of him and everything, I think. So, ah, uh, OK. I mean. I'm sure if I was Stephanie, I would want my parents there at my murder trial. Well, I swear I read once that they were there, so I don't know if they were there for the first one and then oh. didn't come to the second one. Okay. But I, mean, that would I don't sense. believe they came to the second one, the resentencing in 2015. So. That would make a little more sense because at that point I would just be kind of annoyed, yeah, and done with it too. So it's but, sad. I do feel bad for them, but yeah. that's kind of where the story lies. I mean... Like, he said the thing about the voodoo, so it's kind of like, if you did have this voodoo curse on you that this you killed someone, when did that go off you? Like, were you blessed in jail? Like, And why didn't you say that the first time? Exactly! I thought that too. I was like, okay, if there was this voodoo curse, why didn't you say that? Because it's like... It was too many years after that for you to, you know, it's like, did you just make... But then again, it's just like, why would you make that up that many years after that? But it's just like that would have made no difference on the second trial, even if he would have said that again. Yeah. So if it was true, why didn't they say it? I mean, even if they didn't raise it in his trial the first time, I don't know why he would have said it like on the episode if it was true. Exactly. It's really weird. But wouldn't, he didn't. Wouldn't have submitted on that. All he said was, yeah, that he felt like he was possessed by something, but it could just be anger. Okay. Yeah, it could just be mental illness, as sad as it is. Mm-hmm. And. A traumatic upbringing that you've never received proper help for. Yep. So, yeah. Like I said, in 2015, he was found guilty, sentenced, and he couldn't get out after 25, but we shall see. Well, He did seem very, very, uh, in the episode, like, he did seem very remorseful and admitted to being, like, troublesome, but also just said that he just really wanted love from his parents. So, it is sad, but... Obviously, at the same time, the fact that at the same time, it makes you wonder if he's manipulative because it's like the fact that he sexually assaulted his sister makes you feel like, are you just manipulative and trying at this point to make yourself seem like you don't remember that? Like, yeah. Or are you really so sad? Are you a monster? Uh Uh-huh. Because it seems like clearly you did that to hurt your parents very deeply. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's quite troublesome. Yep. But either way, part one of our voodoo curses. Creepy. Yeah, that one was creepy. Just a good one. Yeah, it's, I mean, a murder with a sprinkle of voodoo, but still voodoo nonetheless. Yeah, it's still, like, crazy. I can't wait to see what you got planned. Yes, that's that. Thanks for telling the story, Melissa. Of course. And we will see you guys on the next episode. Keep it creepy, bitches. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.
want to creep on us? Follow us on social media at ew, that's creepy podcast, or send us an email at ew, that's creepy podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, creepy cats.